Numbers chapter 20, let's begin reading in verse 4. It says, Why have you brought the assembly of the Lord into this, into this wilderness, that we and our animals should die here? And why have you made us come up out of Egypt to bring us to this evil place? It is not a place of grain or figs or vines or pomegranates, nor is there any water to drink. So Moses and Aaron went from the presence of the assembly to the door of the tabernacle of meeting, and they fell on their faces, and the glory of the Lord appeared to them. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Take your rod, you and your brother Aaron, gather the congregation together. Speak to the rock before their eyes, and it will yield its water. Thus you shall bring water for them out of the rock, and give drink to the congregation and their animals. So Moses took the rod from before the Lord as he had commanded him. And Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly together before the rock. And he said to them, Hear now, you rebels. Moses was a fiery pastor. Must we bring, you, must we bring water for you out of this rock? Then Moses lifted up his hand and struck the rock twice with his rod. And water came out abundantly, and the congregation and their animals drank. Then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron and says, Because you did not believe me, or hallow me in the eyes of the children of Israel, therefore you shall not bring this assembly into the land which I have given you. For this water is of Marba. Meribah, because the children of Israel contended with the Lord, and he was hallowed among them. Now let's go to chapter 21, again beginning in verse 4, Numbers 21 and verse 4. Then they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. And the soul of the people became very discouraged on the way. And the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water, and our souls loathe this, this worthless bread. Now, did you, have you noticed a few things so far? I need to give you a little background before we continue. Moses has already at one point spoken, struck the rock in the desert, and it's gave water. You realize that they're in the desert, out of Egypt. It's the only source of water they have, and they're complaining about it. You realize that again, that God has gave command over the rock, and this time Moses in his anger, instead of speaking to the rock, he smote the rock twice. And God is, it, it, it was such a disobedient, loathsome act that God has said, you and Aaron are not going to the promised land over this. But he gave the people the water anyway, and you turn the page, and they're doing the same thing. 
You've brought us out into this evil land. There is no water. There is no food. And we, and we loathe the loaves. I thought you didn't have any food. Let's continue. Verse 6 of 21. So the Lord sent fiery serpents among them, among the people. And they, and they bit the people. And many of the people of Israel died. Therefore the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray the Lord that he takes away the serpents from us. So Moses, so Moses prayed for the people. Then the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it upon a pole. And it shall be that everyone who is bitten, when he looks at it, he shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent and put it on a pole. And so it was, if the serpent had bitten anyone, when, when he looked at the bronze serpent, he lived. Let's look at John chapter 3. Then we're going to go to 1 Corinthians. We're laying some scripture down tonight. John chapter 3. Verse 14. John chapter 3. St. John chapter 3. Verse 14. Jesus is speaking here. And he says, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whatever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not come to send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who, believe in him, who, who, he who believes in him is not condemned, but he who has not believed is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the commendation that the, that the light has come into the world and men love the darkness rather than the light. Why? Because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light, that his deeds may be clearly seen, that they have been done by God. Now I want to go one more place. Then we're going to go back to where we started. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1, Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all of our fathers were under the cloud. All of our fathers that were under the cloud all passed through the sea and were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And all ate spiritual food. How many? All ate spiritual food and drank from the same spiritual drink. For they drank of the spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. 
But with most of them, God was not well pleased, for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now hold on just a second. Do you realize he's talking about the same rock that he, that he struck in the beginning and that he was supposed to speak to the second time, but he struck twice? That's the, that's the rock that, that Paul is speaking of here. The Jewish Targums, the Jewish historians all agree that the rock in the wilderness followed their path for the entire 40 years. Jesus is the rock that was in the weary land. They all drank from the spiritual rock, and that rock was Christ Jesus. There was a continuing, ongoing, 40-year miracle of provision along with the manna. Now these things come as our example, verse 6, to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted, and not, do not become idolaters as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play, nor let us commit sexual immorality as some of them did, and in one day 23,000 fell, nor did nor let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed by serpents. Same account. Nor complain as some of them complained and were destroyed by the destroyer. Man, there's a lot of meat. All of these things happened to them. Numbers 20, 21. All of these things happened to them as examples to who? Us. That they were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you except as common to man, but God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you were able, but with the temptation will also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. Lord, I'll ask you to help us. Help us, help us to convey what you would say to the people in February of 2021. Lord, and we'll love you for it and give you praise for it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Look on him and live. Look on him and live. I gave you a little bit of background to what was going on briefly. And what we want to look at is what happens when you get your eyes off of Jesus. It's really that simple. What happens when you get your eyes off of Jesus? Sister Tennyson very famously asks the question often, if Jesus was the only thing on the menu, would you still be interested in placing an order? Would you still be hungry if he was all that was available? It's, still, it's a valid question. It's a good question. 
All of these things were given as an example. God's people had been in captivity for hundreds of years. You know the story. In the land of Egypt, in Bible topology, the land of Egypt is almost always, if not always, the, a type of bondage, a type of sin. It's given as an example in the New Covenant, in the New Testament, as the bondage of sin, the traps. And of course, you know that when the Passover was instituted after the plagues had begun, it was the final, the final plague was the Passover where you had to apply the door of the innocent lamb or the blood of the innocent lamb over the doorpost of your home. That's established in Exodus. He tells you to take the lamb and take all of it. We can talk a week about taking all of the lamb. There's a lot of people, a lot of churches that need to understand that when you get the lamb, you get all of it. And not to waste the lamb. It says, if you, it says to take a lamb per household. And it said if you don't have a big enough household for the lamb to bring a neighbor in to share it with the lamb and eat it all. And, if you, and then if you can't eat it all, then you burn the rest of it on the fire. You let the fire of judgment fall on the lamb. And God said, when I see the blood, y'all know this, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. They were delivered by the blood. This is the same people. I'm saying all that, I want you to understand who we're talking about. This is the people that were in bondage to slavery that had no hope of escape, and they were delivered by the, by the strong arm of God. By the blood of the Lamb. Then they came to the Red Sea. You know that. And when they got to the Red Sea, Pharaoh had changed his mind. His heart was hardened, and he had came in hot pursuit. And they got with a barrier in the front of them, the Red Sea, and mountains on the side. They were blocked in, and Pharaoh closing in with his armies. And you know the account that Moses inquired of God, and God told Moses to stretch his rod out over the sea. And when, when Moses acted in obedience, immediately the Red Sea was parted and dried up. Everybody probably still in this room seen Charlton Heston do it. And you know, they have all these... The little line of people trying to cross the Red Sea like this, you know, y'all remember. When in reality, he blew that thing so far apart that three million people passed over on dry ground overnight. It was quite a sight. And now, you know, they're in the wilderness. They saw these incredible miracles. They've seen, then they get out there and they get in rebellion. You know, they, God sent them in to, to see what was going to happen. We're going somewhere. Sent 12 spies in. It wasn't because God didn't know what was there. You know, God sent the spies. One from every tribe. Go in. He told them it is a land flowing with milk and honey. It is, it, you're not going to believe it. 
And then he sent spies in. God didn't need to know what was there. God, God, anytime God sends somebody for something like that or asks you a question, God is never seeking information. He, he's got it. You know what happened. The 12 went in. Two come back. They went in and they saw. They all came back and said, yes, it's a, it's, indeed, it's a land flowing with milk and honey. Man, man they, were, they, were, they were hauling out grapes between their shoulders. And said, but there's a problem. There's giants in the land, and we're like grasshoppers in their sight. All 12 of them agreed on that. But two of them knew who sent them and who, was, and who, and who gave them the promise. And they said, oh, there, there's giants. You're right, there's giants. He said, but we're well able. He said, we're well able to take the land. But 10 wouldn't go, so... They get out, and they get, so they've seen a deliverance out of bondage, impossible bondage. They've seen a, a miraculous parting of the Red Sea. They're, they're put into a place where, they're, where, they, where the promised land, you realize that the spies went into the promised land, so they wasn't lost. They went straight to it and had seen it. Everybody could have got there. But doubt, fear, and unbelief came in, and they got to wander around for 40 years in the desert. They got out in the desert, and God began another miracle, one of his biggest. It's kind of overlooked. There's, there's some things that are so overlooked that you've never even seen it, likely. But one of them that is not overlooked is they got out into this wilderness. Have you ever looked at the maps of where they roamed around? Basically, they rolled around the northern Saudi Arabia and the Sinai Peninsula. Guess what it is? It's desert. It's desert. Period. So you got three, three some odd million people wandering around for 40 years in the desert. Where did you think they got their water? For 40 years. But they get out there and God makes this, this promise to them. And, they, and he feeds them miraculously every day of their life. Every day was a miracle. Now come on somebody. We got a little bit, we're building a case here. You know a lot of times you build the case and it's not until closing arguments that you get something. So they're out here, and God, every day, they open the flaps of their tent, and on the ground is a thing that they called manna. And manna literally means, what is it? That's what it means, what is it? So I guess one day they opened the door and Mrs. Moses said, well, look at this. And Moses said, what is it? So they had, what is it? I guess that's better than, I don't care. Baby, what do you want for supper tonight? Well, that's a change at least. We're going to have, oh, stop it tonight because usually we have, I don't care. Or it's up to you. 
Yeah. This miracle every day, somebody with more time than I got and smarter than me figured it up. And it amounted to the equivalent of 45 train boxcar loads of manna every day that God laid out. Every day until the day before the Sabbath. And since he couldn't handle it on the seventh day, he gave them 90 boxcars on the day before. He doubled it every week for 40 years. And in typical fashion, they griped about it. One time they asked for meat, so he gave them quail. Flew in about waist high. All they had to do was pick it up. Then it says it rotted in their teeth. God says when they picked it up to bite into it, God's anger was kindled and it rotted in their teeth. Hmm. Even the manna that was provided every day, it was, it was a day. Give us this day our daily bread. Remember? Jesus said, disciples said, how do we pray? Jesus began to teach them how to pray. He says, give us this day our daily bread. We need him every day. Every day. Every day. We've got to have him every day. They were fed by the They got out there grumbling and complaining. But back in Egypt, we had onions and garlic and leeks, and we want to go back because we're tired of this manna. But did you forget that you were slaves? That you were in bondage, that you, had, that you had no control over your life, that you were out, that everything, that every decision was made for you. It's, it's a picture of your life and sin where your sin is controlling you. And anybody that wants to act like that your sin wasn't controlling you, sin's in control. I've said it often for years. I'll say it again tonight. The bondage of sin is stronger than the heartache that it causes. The bondage of sin is stronger than the heartache that it causes. You've seen people destroy their lives with, with you name it, gambling, substance abuse, Running around. I, grown men that just can't quit partying with their friends. I, I've, I've seen scores of divorces just for that reason. Because they want to hang with Bubba instead of going home to Mama. Dummy. He knows it's going to happen. She, he knows he's going to get tired of it. But the bondage of sin is stronger than the heartache that it causes. And so they're in the wilderness now. They're in, re they're in the wilderness because they were re rebelled and they grumbled and complained and griped and fussed and moaned and groaned. And God brought every one of those that he brought out miraculously, every one of them over 20 years old, uh, under over 20 years old, got to die in the wilderness. They never got to see the promise because they didn't believe and they didn't trust God.
and his daily provision wasn't enough. So, somewhere in all of this had to be, when they first started out, they needed water. Our livestock needs water. We have to have water. By the way, where did slaves get livestock? They walked out, not only when they left Egypt, they walked out with all the treasure of Egypt. It says when the God, when the, when the, when, when the final, when, when the Passover had happened, when the death angel had came over, that Egypt not only let them go, they were begging them to leave and giving them everything they had and saying, get out. So God brings them out and gives them everything, the possessions of the people that enslaved them. So now they're complaining about watering livestock that was given to them miraculously. Do you understand that everything they had, God gave them? They had nothing. They were slaves for 400 years. They had nothing. We had nothing without him. We had nothing without him. You say, well, I had a house, I'll have you know. I had a job, I'll have you know. You had nothing. You had nothing that would live past your last breath. You had nothing that will, I, I used to say I'd never seen a hearse pulling a U-Haul, but I actually saw one on I-10 one time, so I don't say that anymore. I thought, wow, that blows that illustration. I'd sure love to know what that was about. Hearst pulling a U-Haul. That was probably some turkey like me that just thought it was funny. Hey, baby, when I die, just go rent a U-Haul. Don't have to put nothing in it. Just tow it behind me. I want everybody to see it. Go into the cemetery with a U-Haul. <laughs> I'm scared to death. That might happen now. I'm going to have to outlive them all just for spite. <laughs> right? Now we find them again in Numbers 20. Moses, can't you hear them? If you can't, you don't read like I do. Moses. We don't have anything for our families, no water, nothing for our, go to God for us. Moses, he was a pretty patient guy, if you don't know it. He saved their, he saved their life more than one occasion. So him and Aaron, I noticed that it says that Aaron and, and that Moses and Aaron ran to the to the to the door of the tent of meeting and fell on their face before God. That sounds pretty urgent to me. They was that, that's not a casual thing. The, I, I, I suspect heavily that Moses and Aaron knew the thin ice that the people of Israel were walking on again. God, you're going to have to do something with these people. That's the way I read it. God said, all right, go out there this time and speak to the rock. And I'll give them water in abundance. 
I don't know what had happened. They'd been, they'd been drinking from this rock all this time. What's happened now? I don't know. Maybe God just needed them to trust him one more time. I don't know. The Bible doesn't say. Go speak to the rock. Now, I don't know where Moses got that temper at because I've, I've never experienced anything like it myself. But he got out there in front of them. Has anybody got a cough drop? Heather's having trouble over here. <laughs> Moses gets in front of everybody. God's told him what to do. Speak to the rock. And Moses gets out there, and here's, here's kind of what happened. You bunch of stiff-necked morons. God has done for you all this time, and I am sick to death of this stuff. Now, that's the J.R. version. I, don't, I didn't speak Hebrew, but it's something like that. I suspect his frustration boiled over, and he struck the rock twice, he said. And it says, and God gave them water abundantly, mercifully, through Moses' critical error. God provides miraculously again. Why was God so mad? It, it, for, first of all, a simple act of disobedience is enough. God told him, speak to the rock, and he struck the rock. God chided him. He says, he, he, he says what are you thinking? Did you, because, you, because you didn't believe me. Woo! Now, hold on, y'all. I got to remind you of something. I took you all the way to 1 Corinthians. I took you all the way to Paul, where Paul is referencing this very account. And he said, this has been placed here as an example to you. That was in case anybody says, well, that was Old Testament. <laughs> Whoo! That, that was Old Testament. That was, that was then. That was for Israel. Not for us. This was given as an example to you. Because you didn't believe me, you will not see the promise. Whoa. There's a, man, this is, there's a lot of meat on this bone. Because you didn't believe me, this is an example to you. What's the big deal? God gave them water from the same rock, just like he did before. I just read to you in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 that it says, that they drank, they ate the spiritual food, manna. It's manna. They drink, they all drank of the spiritual water, which was from the rock that followed them. That's what it says. That followed them. And the rock was Christ Jesus. David said, when my soul is overwhelmed, 
lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For thou hast been a shelter for me. Jesus was the rock. The manna was the word, the bread of life. The flow of the water was the, was, was the illustration of the ever-flowing power of the Holy Spirit that flows from the rock. That will provide for you, that will lead you, that will teach you, that will guide you. Moses, speak to the rock. Why? Because the rock had already been smitten. This rock, Christ Jesus. He, the writer of Hebrews tell, tells you that he was sacrificed once and for all. He had no right to strike the rock again. The rock was already smitten. The price had already been paid. From, from now when I go to the rock, see, Jesus has been crucified once and for all. He is the final sacrifice. Now I don't go. He's not, oh, metal or not metal. Hmm. He don't, he don't, he's not getting on the cross again. He's not getting on the cross again. You, you accept what he's done one time, or, there's, or, the, or the writer of Hebrews says, there no longer remains a sacrifice for you. So now I don't smite him, now I speak to him. Now I speak to him if I believe in my heart and I confess with my mouth. Romans chapter 10. Moses is striking that rock again was, was a, a symbol of trying to crucify him yet again for a stiff-necked people that didn't accept it the first time. See, the flow, it occurs to me that the flow, the flow was always available. Then you turn the page. If you read the book of Numbers, if you'll find out every time you turn the page, literally the Israelites are doing something dumb. In the rebellion of Korah, I, I, I'm always struck whenever they come up against, when, the, when the Korah and his followers rose up against Moses and Aaron, that God gave them a chance, and when they didn't take it, it says that the ground clave asunder. The ground opened up and swallowed them and their followers and their homes and everything. Oh. Now that's pretty mind-blowing, but that's not what blows my mind. What blows my mind is when it says, on the morrow, they rose up again. These people saw the ground open up and swallow homes and, and families whole and to the next day did it again. And God put a plague that ran through the camp. And they were falling like flies everywhere. They were dying by the hundreds. 
because of it. And Moses that day said, Aaron, 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 go grab the censer. Go grab, go grab it and run, run, run to, and make sacrifice for the people and stand between the dead and the living. And it said Aaron did it and made the sacrifice and burned the incense and got between the dead and the living. And the Bible says that the plague was stayed. Now we find them griping about water and food. They've seen the water flow again. They've seen Moses and Aaron say, God says, you disobeyed, you're not going in. And then you turn the page and they're at it again. Read it. After, in light of everything I just said, it says, and the, and the people spoke against God and Moses. Why have you brought us out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water, and our soul and our, and our soul loathes, loathes, loathes this worthless bread. Think about what it's just. I just explained it all to you. You have turned the page and they have come against God and declared that the water from the rock and the manna was worthless to them. I have just spent 30 minutes painting a picture of God's people. When Jesus isn't enough. The bread of life, the word of God. The rock that is Christ Jesus. And the flow of water that is the power of the Holy Ghost. They said, is, we don't have water that we want. We don't have bread that we like. In fact, we loathe it. We are chasing all over. We, I want you to understand something. I, and I mean it with all sincerity. I have had to inspect my life over and over and over that Jesus is still enough for me. I don't have to be chasing everything new I can find. The ultimate goal of most pulpits today is to dazzle the people with something they've never heard because they despise these loaves. It's just too simple. It's just too simple. Preacher, I have heard about Jesus all of my life. I know about Here's. I knew that. I've heard that before. Impress me if you can. Now, some people literally do that. I, I've preached to people looking at me like this. But whether they're literally doing it, Or that's just what's going on in their mind. 
Listen, we ought to never get over this bread of life and this water that still flows and this rock that's still stable. Do I, I got a little time. I can start down another path. It says God sent fiery serpents to bite them. Fiery serpents. They they wasn't they wasn't they wasn't on fire. They wasn't red. No, their bite was so stinging and so harsh that it set them on fire. The poison and venom of their strike was affecting them. And the types just keep continuing because that is the false prophet, the false teacher, the false teacher, the false pastor, the false word that was sent among them and its bite was deadly. Uh oh. Hmm. When Jesus is no longer enough, God will send something else, but you ain't going to enjoy it. Now I want you to hold on. I, boy, I'm messing with somebody because you don't, you got to read something. You got to read something. Y'all are quiet, but that's okay. Y'all look interested. Let's see here. Verse 6, chapter 21. Are you there? I want you to see it. I don't want you to think. Do you know that, do you know that this is teaching? This is, this is rich. This is meat. Some of you said, well, I'm a vegetarian, thank you. So were they. That's why they wanted to go back to Egypt, because they had better food. Some of y'all get that by the time you go to bed. Verse 6, are you there? Well, let's read, let's read that verse again. For there was no food nor water, and our, souls, our soul loathes this worthless bread. So the Lord sent. So the Lord sent. Pharaoh sent it. Satan sent it. Devil sent it. Demon sent it. The Lord sent. Fiery serpents among the people to bite the people. And many of the people in Israel died. There's something people miss about God all the time. And what is that? That he's mean? No.
it's sometimes he just comes to a place where he gives people what they want. Or lets them have what they deserve. They just ask him for something else. We don't want your loaves. We don't want your water. We don't want your rock. Okay. Do I'll just, I'll just step out of the way. And when you don't want the truth of who he is, and whenever his simplicity, the, the manna, it says it was something like a, it was like a flaky waferish, a little bit of honey taste. And, you know, I probably get tired of eating honey bunches of oats too for 40 years. But it was a miracle from God every day. Oh, taste. Do you, do, you, do you believe that man I was talking? Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. It, it talks about that he was sweeter than honey from the honeycomb. It's talking about him. That we loathe this bread. Am I making any sense to somebody that whenever, you, whenever he's not good enough, when the simplicity of his power and his steadiness and his faithfulness and the flow of his spirit and the, and, and the sustenance of his word is not enough to satisfy you, then you're asking for the serpent's. You're asking for the deceiving teacher. You're asking for the false doctrine that will bite, kill, and destroy who you are. You're asking for it. It's all that is left. If you reject truth, all that is left is a lie. That's all. That, that's the only option left. And, and the lie can look fantastic. It can be charismatic. It can, look, it can be, it can be a, a talented speaker. It can be, it can, and they can, they can dazzle with their words, but their bite is deadly and people begin to die. And Moses goes to God again, the man of God. God loved Moses. You ain't going into the promised land because you, you, you crossed the line. But God didn't walk off on Moses, and Moses didn't walk off on God. He didn't. God didn't walk off on Moses. Moses didn't walk off on God or God's people. God could have said, well, fine. Can't you hear him if it would have been 2021? Can't you just hear it? They'd been on MSNBC. With, with the microphone in his face. Yeah. Saying you follow. Now tell me how it was again, Moses. You followed God all those years. And you, yeah, frankly, you gave your whole life to him. And then at the end, he just left you hanging. And how do you feel about that? <laughs> A lot of people are too young, but Phil Donahue used to do that. 
And Moses said, you're right. I stood in the gap for them people. He was going to smoke them one time. He was going to wipe them all out and name the people after me, and I could have had that. And I intervened for them. And now, after all I've done for them, I ain't even going to get to go over there. And he said, if they think I'm doing one more thing for them, they're wrong. Moses, 2021. No. He said, God, what do I do? God says, go get a bronze, go, go for, fashion a bronze serpent and put, it on a, and put it on a brass pole and raise it into the heavens. And it said, he that looks on it shall live. It says, he that looks on the serpent shall live. If they've been bitten by the serpent and they'll cast their eyes. He, did you hear what he said? Those that had been bitten by the serpents Y'all remember a serpent somewhere all the way back? Those snake, those serpents were, the, the fiery serpents were just little snakes. Spawn of the big one. I wouldn't lie. Look on them and Jesus, all the way. Fast forward. John chapter 3. Jesus says, just like that brazen serpent that was raised up in the, before the people of God that the Son of Man be lifted up. Listen, it's still the same. If he's not enough, then you don't want what's left. Church, we got to get, we have got, we, I'm talking to we, I'm talking to me. We got to get to the simplicity of, 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 the, of the word the rock and the flow. There is no more than that. That disappoints people. That disappoints people. There is no more than that. What more could there be other than this wonderful Savior? that hung between heaven and earth. And he said, look on him and live. The Bible's so consistent. You get all the way down to Hebrews and it says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. He is still more than enough. If you'll get in that book, it'll be more it'll have more interest than you can ever exhaust. It'll have more truth than you can ever get over. It'll have more it'll be deeper than you can ever go down and higher than you can ever climb. You'll never get bored with it if you will get interested because the whole the story of this Jesus doesn't begin in Matthew chapter 1 verse 1. The story of this Jesus begins in Genesis 1 and 1 and ends with Revelation 22-23. The entirety of the, this book is about Him. This is the story of Jesus. We used to sing that. Tell me the story of Jesus. Write on my heart every word. Tell me a story most precious, sweeter than ever was heard. Something like that.
Church, he's still enough. This this bread, this manna from heaven is still enough. It's still sweet as the honeycomb. It's still. Peter said, where would we go from your presence? Remember, he said, you alone, Lord, have the words of life. Paul wrote to the people of Athens when they were looking at every God in the world. Remember, he said, he said I even walked through and there was an altar built to, to, the, to the unknown God. He said, I'll tell you about this God that you're looking for. He said, he's everything to me. He said, it's in him I live and move and have my being. He is more than enough. You will never exhaust his riches. Everything, listen, I don't mean to pick, and I've been beating some drums here lately, and I'm going to keep beating them until the Lord changes my mind. Because people are so caught up in the sideshows that they're missing the main event. I've been to Branson a billion times because I live right there, pretty close or wherever. You go to some of these places and they have a pre-show. And most of the time the pre-show is pretty stinking good. But you know what? I, I didn't I didn't come for the pre-show. I, I didn't pay for the pre-show. I paid for the main event. I came for the main event. And the church and the people are so caught up in the sideshows. And some of them are freak shows, frankly. in the main event because it all comes in through and by him you missed a good chance to say amen it all comes in through and by him somebody needs to know that the power of the Holy Spirit works through the rock through Jesus. The Holy Spirit doesn't have any, any work to do on the earth if not if it wasn't for the blood of Jesus. Holy Spirit says he never, it's, the Bible says the Holy Spirit never speaks of himself. He just points to Jesus. What's the teacher do? Holy Spirit, the Bible calls him the teacher. This is what he does. Jesus, 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 Jesus. There he is, there he is, there he is, there he is, there he is. It's Jesus. In that book, it's Jesus. The Holy Spirit, when you turn the page, look, it's Jesus. He points to Jesus. He points to Jesus. And he's the power that Jesus works through. Look on him and live. It's all about him. You want to know what's true? You want to know what? Hey, you want to find out what's the heart of prophecy? Everybody loves prophecy, right? I, I believe in it. I believe in the fivefold ministry and I believe in prophecy. Word of God says in Revelation, it says the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy.
I'll say it again. The testimony of Jesus Christ is the spirit of prophecy. It's all through, in, and by Him. Never get over it. Stand with me tonight.